Welcome to Only Trying to Help, the podcast where we try to help you be helpful to other people. My name is Kate Watson. I've brought on two good friends who you've heard from before. Um, We heard from Meg and Elizabeth last season, and they've decided they wanted to come back on and share some more ideas. Um, Now, ladies, I won't make you completely reintroduce yourselves, but maybe you could say hello, maybe remind the audience who you are, how they might remember you. Uh, my name is Elizabeth McElroy. Uh, I'm a psychotherapist in uh, Cheltenham, Pennsylvania. And I also sometimes teach and sometimes write and sometimes uh, talk on podcasts with two dear friends. Um, my name is Meg Rogers. I'm also a psychotherapist. I work in Havertown, Pennsylvania. Uh, but I also see clients in California through telehealth. And you know me from a previous episode. And um, I'm also a uh, supervisor and I also write some things and um, an artist as well. So those are the things that I do. So many things. And I'm now a podcaster. Here we are. <laughs> Thanks for coming back on, friends. And, you know, we did that episode a while back where we talked about boundaries. And I think what all three of us discovered was that we had way more we wanted to say that we couldn't jam into one episode. We agreed that we would just do this again. And I I think we'll probably end today with that same feeling of like, we didn't get to jam it all in again. Um, So we will do this as many times as we need to do this before we feel we have set our message. Um, But I understand that you were thinking about maybe taking a look at this idea of boundaries perhaps through the parent-child relationship and some of the the unique aspects of that. And so I'd like to just sort of turn it over to you, either person, who, whoever would like to go first. Yeah, so this is uh, something I've been thinking about a lot. Um, it is no secret to my clients that I have two small kids. Some therapists are um, a little more warier of telling their clients personal information. It's a really choose your own adventure, I personally feel. But my feeling is, you know, I'm asking people to tell me about their deepest, darkest secrets. The least I can do is answer like a straightforward question of, are you married? Do you have children, et cetera. Um, so because they know I have children and because I mostly see older adults, I often hear, um, your kids are little, just wait which is really charming, (laughs) Um, very ominous sounding. And I understand why they say it because they are often, often what's coming up in therapy with my older adult clients is they have adult children who are not necessarily doing what the client wants them to do, or the client is not acting the way their adult child wants them to act. And it's really causing some friction that you would think would be left behind in teenagerhood. Um, But as we know from last time and from living in the world, boundaries are ever shifting and ever changing. So I really wanted to talk about this idea of how boundaries change in um, older adulthood with adult children 
And I, of course, wanted to talk about it with Meg because she has so much experience with little kids. So I think between the two of us, we can capture both ends of the life cycle. (laughs) Thanks, Elizabeth. Yes, I do work often with children. I also work with adults. But when I work with kids, I almost always work with them in a family therapy context, which means I see their parents as well as the children um, as clients or to support the clients. And those parents are kind of what we're considering now the sandwich generation. Like there are folks who are taking care of the children and they're taking care of their elder parents. Um, And often they're grappling with some of the challenges that they had in their childhood and seeing how that is carried out over adulthood and trying to change that for their own children. So I think while Elizabeth and I are kind of opposite ends of the spectrum, we end up meshing and kind of merging more than you would think for me being a kid's therapist, sort of, and Elizabeth being uh, an elder support therapist, sort of, you know, like, and we're, we're kind of in a spectrum there. Cool. So as you think about these complicated relationships that are ever changing, I suspect there are some, I don't know what I want to call these. Uh, The only thing, the only phrase that comes to mind is like hotspots, but like, particularly troubling moments where maybe let's call them sticking points that maybe you see again and again um, when you're both nodding. So I think some ideas have popped into your heads. What, what comes to mind when you think about those like really common sticking points? For me, um, when I'm seeing older adults, it's often about my child is not parenting in the way I think my grandchildren should be parented. And that's a really tricky conversation to navigate between me and my client, because sometimes I agree and sometimes I really disagree. (laughs) And more to the point, it's about talking about whether or not to, um, address it in some way with the adult child. And to make a long story short, my answer is almost always no. Um, partly because I hate when people tell me about my own parenting. I'm not, I'm not interested in that. My kids are fine. <laughs> and unless it's a case of, you know, there's clear abuse or neglect happening, I do feel like the best thing that I can offer my clients is a reminder that you can be another adult in your grandchild's life. You can um ask your adult child if they're struggling because having young kids is really hard. You can offer whatever support you're willing and able to offer, be financial, emotional, or your physical presence, which is honestly a big one. I think if you can be physically present, please do. (laughs) Um, And the other side of that, and then I promise I'll let Meg speak again. (laughs) I also um, often find my older adult clients are frustrated because they are doing too much for their grandkids, um, too much time, too much money, et cetera, which we talked a little bit of last time about boundaries is if you, if you don't say I'm tapped out, I can't give anymore. The other person can't possibly know that. And I think a lot of people, my generation assume that their parents are like ready, willing, and eager to take kids to swim lessons and show up for weekend overnights. And some grandparents are like, I'm going to Florida for the winter. Thank you so much. (laughs) So it's both sides of the spectrum. 
I think I hear a lot about that in my sessions too. And then I think like, okay, so what's the theme, right? Because if my client is four years old, they're not aware of all of the dynamics of like who's in Florida and the swim session and things. But the hot spot or the sticking point that I notice is when people can't handle their own feelings for themselves. And by people, I mean adults. Like we should expect that children cannot self-regulate. They don't, they're not born knowing how to do it. They learn how to do it over time. We as adults get to teach them how to do it. Um, They don't even realize that like other people fully have feelings until they're like well into elementary school. So I'm, I'm putting kids aside there and I'm saying if adults can't support their own emotions and they start to put their emotions onto other adults, um, that's the, the sticking point that I notice. And often that's something that has started when, when their children are quite small. So a parent who has a lot of anxiety has a lot of emotion that comes up and their child ends up being the container for it. And their child takes that on and which is not totally appropriate because they're little and they don't know how to deal with it. And then this happens over the rest of their life. So then by the time we get to where Biz is seeing them and the parent, the grandparent is saying like, uh, my, my child should be parenting differently. Why are they showing up differently? Well, that's like their anxiety coming up. And then I'm seeing the parent in session who's saying like, my my adult family member, my, my parent is stressing me out. I can never be a good enough parent for them. My kid is stressing me out. I can't be a good enough parent for them. And they're still holding the anxiety, right? So I'm thinking about how we acknowledge our impact on other people. Don't become like full-fledged narcissists, right? But still also recognize that we are not completely ultimately responsible for the emotions of others. And that's kind of my like higher level view. But I think what exactly shows up in the ways that Elizabeth is talking about. Um, Sometimes on the show, when we start talking about complicated relationships, especially across like three, four people now who are all in the mix, it can get really confusing, I think, for the listeners. And so I'm tempted to just like assign some names. Um, And so I think first we need like a good baby boomer name. Um, So Nancy. I was going to say Nancy or Diane, but since you said Nancy, we're going to go with Nancy. So Nancy is now a grandparent. Um, And then we need like a good millennial name. Please say the name I was thinking, someone. Jessica. I was going to say Ashley. Oh, I was going to say Tiffany, but they're all in the same. (laughs) (laughs) There were three names when we were born. (laughs) Somehow the three of us don't have them. (laughs) All right. So we'll go, we'll go with Tiffany. So what did we say? Nancy uh, is the mom of Tiffany. Tiffany is the mom of, (laughs) I was going to say like Lily or Lila or. That's good. Yeah. Okay. So Lily then. So Nancy. (laughs) I have to write this down. What did we say? Tiffany. Okay. Nancy, Tiffany, and Lily. And listen, we're picking on women now, but this is just because we had to pick names. All right. Um, we can do the whole thing all over again with men for sure. And we, we won't because we're trying to keep this episode short, but <laughs> this all applies also. Um, and so I think what, so I'm going to try and rec- recap what both of you said. I think what Elizabeth said is that sometimes Nancy is upset with how Tiffany is raising Lily and Nancy is is like trying to figure out do I get involved how do I handle this but I really just don't approve 
And Meg is saying the emotions that happen in these relationships sort of just get passed on. Like Nancy's anxiety got passed on to Tiffany, who was supposed to hold on to that for mom. Now Tiffany is a mom trying to manage Lily's emotions because Lily's three years old and needs some help with that, but also still Nancy's emotions because Nancy apparently hasn't learned how to regulate Nancy's emotions. And then there's Tiffany in the middle, just trying to feel, you know, trying to figure it out for everybody. Um, Did I capture that correctly? I see you nodding. Okay. What would you like to add? Not to open up a whole new can of worms, but since you mentioned gender, I do think it's important to say there's some generational gender stuff going on that again comes up frequently. And I'm not even talking about like gender identity stuff. That's a whole other uh, podcast, I think. Um, I just mean that like the expectations for Nancy's husband when Tiffany was a kid are quite a bit different from the expectations of Tiffany's husband provided all these people are straight and those are going to be even different when Lily grows up and, and has a partner, that partner's expectations are going to be totally different. So I think sometimes navigating that generational stuff can also cause a lot of friction. Uh, my neighbor, so my neighbor has uh, four grown children and several grandchildren. I'm about her kid's age. And she sometimes says to me, fathers today are a lot more involved she said when she had her fourth baby, her husband like built a well in their backyard while she was on maternity leave. <laughs> they have three other kids. So there's like a different expectation and that can sometimes, I have seen that show up both in, isn't it wonderful that my daughter has a different partner than I had? And I've also seen it show up in, there are too many expectations for the father. You know, everyone needs to like, I did it essentially by myself. <laughs> You do too. That can cause some conflict. I love that you're noticing that. And as you're speaking, Elizabeth, I'm thinking, okay, the other part that I notice is that then Tiffany also being raised in this time where things were so different for Nancy and they will be so different from Lily. And maybe this is another podcast gets told she should do it all. She should be able to have it all. It should be all, 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 right? So then if we're growing up in a family that doesn't know how to hold their sadness or their worry or their frustration or their anger or whatever, whatever the theme is, and here's this person who's supposed to be just tickled to bits because they have it all, but they're really, really stressed and they don't know how to ask for help or receive the help or other generations don't know how to give the help, right? Like it just creates... Um, more and more tension and everybody wants to help. They all love each other, but they're not quite sure how to make the connection and be there for one another in the ways that each generation needs. Yeah. I mean, I, I always smile when we remember to come back to these things come from a place of love. It comes from a place of, you know, I just, uh, Nancy just loves Tiffany so much and, it's like overwhelming for Nancy to figure out like how to show that love. And it often comes out in all the wrong ways. And you've all heard me say time and time again on this show, it is just the entire reason this podcast exists is that I know some of these things that are like cringy and problematic do still come from a good place. So I just always appreciate when the guests say that because it tells me like you get it, that, that, 
these may come from a good place, but they can also still be problematic. What have we not said um, about these sticking points or hot spots or whatever we want to call them that feels important to, to have enough time to cover here? I think I want to be clear that I'm not saying you should never have conflict in the parent-child relationship <laughs> as you get older. Like, of course, I was just talking with someone who's my client, the client is 50 and her parents are coming for the holiday and she's very stressed out about it because she goes, she says, I'm 50 years old. As soon as I'm with my parents for a few hours, I am talking to them like I'm 16. And I think those patterns and Meg uh, can speak to this a little better than I can just based on her experience and education, those patterns never really go away. And I don't think that necessarily is bad. There's a lot of history in the relationship and that can be wonderful. And you are allowed to have conflict with your parents or with your adult children. The question is, can you have it in a way that is helpful and not in a way where everyone ends up screaming and crying and saying hurtful things? I love that so much because also like if we're thinking about Lily again, she gets to see how the rupture happens, the conflict happens, and then the repair happens. And so like, yeah, this is a thing that happens over and over again, but everybody gets to do it a little bit differently. And I would also say like, I don't want Nancy to feel victimized. It didn't start with Nancy, right? It probably started with like Edna and Matilda and, you know, it goes all the way back to like six generations or however many more. Um, and we, we all get to decide, once we notice what the pattern is, we all get to decide how we want to be with it, if we want to continue it, or if we want to start to do something differently with it. So once you notice it, you have the freedom to start making some moves. Yeah. I was really hoping when you made that point, you were going to start naming names. And when you did, it made my day, Edna, um, Gladys, you know, um, just to there's been something about this idea of conflict that's been on my mind a lot lately. Um, and I found myself speaking about it in some trainings that I was conducting, speaking about it unexpectedly. Like it was just one of those moments where I had the microphone, I had an audience and I just like went on a total tangent and found myself saying, sorry, that wasn't at all on the agenda, but it just like the mood struck and this thing about conflict came up. Because I am tired of hearing parents say, we never argue in front of the kids. Um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's like the way that people learn to argue is from their caregivers, whether they are parents or grandparents or teachers or whoever. But like we learn how to have conflict by watching the adults in our lives. And what I worry about is that in a lot of households, you know, let's just say it's mom and dad or mom and mom or dad and dad, whatever, the, 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 a two-parent household, the two caregivers may initially have a clash. And that does happen in front of the kids where it's, it's the part where it's particularly mean and nasty. And then they look at each other and say, let's not do this in front of the kids. And so they just hold on to it and they put the kids to bed. And after the kids go to bed, then they really have it out and they eventually resolve it, get through it, fix whatever was broken, I suppose. And the next morning over pancakes, all the kids know is mom and dad seem fine all of a sudden or, or mom and mom seem fine all of a sudden. And they don't know how that happened. And I just wish 
parents would learn really healthy ways of having conflict and then very intentionally do this in front of the kids so the kids can watch very healthy, very respectful conflict rather than wondering what happened. I don't know. They seemed mad last night and they seem fine now. I guess everything's fine. Oh, so many thoughts. <laughs> I I have to say as a parent, one of the most humbling parts of being a parent is apologizing to my kids sometimes on with an unqualified apology not i'm sorry i yelled that you were being terrible but just saying i'm sorry i raised my voice i shouldn't have done that i was frustrated and just letting it letting it be an unqualified apology that's very hard to do <laughs> and i have really struggled with it but I don't want my kids to walk into the world not knowing how to take responsibility for sometimes messing up. I don't want them to get the idea that the goal is to never make a mistake. That's not reasonable. I want them to walk into the world understanding when I make a mistake, I can apologize. I can try to find a way to to fix it. My husband and I never fight, so... <laughs> Ah, uh, yes. No, I, I love that, Elizabeth and Kate. And I'm thinking like, that's also how Lily or the kids potentially learn that they're worthy of respect and care and being heard. Um, and I think that's also like when we talk about secure attachment, like, and that's something that, you know, people can find lots of information on. But so much of that is saying, Am I good enough as I am? Do the people who love me and care about me, my parents, my grandparents love me regardless? If I show up at my worst, will they still love me even with those pieces? And so when kids get to see rupture and repair, they get to experience apologies. They get to understand what it looks like to just be yourself and figure things out and be in collaboration with the people we love instead of like isolating and getting super shame filled and super guilt filled and just like shutting down and closing in on themselves. And I feel like that's when we get to the ruptures that are really hard to repair in families because then nobody's talking about the thing. It just gets bigger and bigger. Yeah. What have we not said that you would really like to say before we run out of time about 10 million things? To all the Nancys out there, we love you. Mm -hmm. We do. Yeah. Very much. The, the three of us are probably, uh, you know, three Tiffany's right now, but, but there's Nancy in us, right? Like we were raised by Nancy. So of course we love Nancy. Um, you know, the, our Nancy side comes out sometimes and scares the hell out of us. <laughs> <laughs> I had a professor say once that your internal monologue, and I think that this is like in studies too, your internal monologue is your parents' voice. So yeah, we've all got our little Nancys and our Tiffany's and our Lily's all inside us. And Edna's in there, even if you never met her. That's right. Mm -hmm. All right, folks. Well, thanks again for giving a little bit of your time and wisdom for our audience. You are going to be invited back many more times. So what I predict is we will wrap up here all three of us will say, oh, we never said this and we never said that. And there were all these things we really wanted to say. And so we'll just keep saying them other times. Um, so thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Thank you. 